0: Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. This weekend, Friday and Saturday, been to the Ladies' Conference in Muncie, Indiana, have had a good time, those have went and been ministered to and spoken to, and so I pray that they have brought the spirit of everything that has been imparted to them to this service, amen, this morning as well. Now tonight, you don't want to miss tonight, I was telling those in the back in prayer uh, this morning that uh, uh, Brother Michael Wilson contacted me early Friday morning before he even got the kids uh, to school, and he is in the area, and he's preaching somewhere this morning, he said but I have an opening tonight if you'd be interested. I said, well, just come on. Just come on. So he's going to come and preach and sing. He's an author, songwriter, and preacher. Amen. Just a good man, he and his wife. So they're going to be in service with us tonight, ministering the word of the Lord. And we already got him scheduled, actually, for December. uh, Whenever uh, in the Indiana district, when they have their Christmas banquet stuff, he's going to be playing up there. And so we snagged him then place to go in the month of December, because when you evangelize, December isn't always a kind month to you, Uh, finding places uh, to preach and minister and go. So I want to extend that invitation to he and his wife. Judges chapter number one. I'm going to start reading with verse, verse number four. The Bible says, and Judah went up. The Lord delivered the Canaanites and the Perizzites into their hand. They slew of them in Bezek 10,000 men. They found Adoni Bezek in Bezek. They fought against him. They slew the Canaanites and the Perizzites. But Adoni Bezek fled. They pursued after him and caught him and cut off his thumbs and his great toes. And Adoni Bezek said, Three score and ten kings having their thumbs and their great toes cut off, gathered their meat under my table, as I have done so God hath requited me. And they brought him to Jerusalem, and there he died. He said there was a time that there was three score and 10 kings. He said that was under my table 70 kings, having their thumbs and great toes cut off. And now what he had done to them is happening to him. I want a little, well, little while here this morning. I want to minister to you this. And uh, I feel gravitated toward this today. I want to minister to you. He that hath an ear. Everybody say that with me. He that hath an ear. He that hath an ear. Hallelujah. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I come to you today. I pray, oh Lord, that you're able to direct our steps and order us, the Lord Jesus, in the service this morning. We're grateful, Lord, for everyone that is here. God, each one, Lord, that represents, Lord, a, a mode or station of life. I pray, oh God, today that you help to help us by the Holy Ghost. Lord, this morning, help us, God, to hear. Help us, God, to be attentive to the word of the Lord. God, that it would do a work, Lord, within our spirits and within our souls that we will not fail. God, to thank you and praise you, Lord, for what you accomplish. In the lovely name of Jesus Christ, And I pray. Amen and amen. Goodbye. Everybody say amen. God bless you today, and you may... Be seated this morning. It is in this scripture setting this morning where Adoni Bezek is maimed that we learn of his own menacing actions against 70 kings, three score and ten kings. That's 70 kings at some time in the past. In this, we learn somewhat of a character of this Canaanite king, Adoni Bezek. He was not satisfied to just have defeated 70 kings. Of course, he did do that, but he wasn't satisfied with just defeating them. His contentment would not be served in just killing these 70 kings, but it was his pleasure to go a step further. It was his pleasure to maim and to mutilate these 70 kings. There's another place in Samuel that the Bible speaks that there was a time whenever people had lost their life in battle and then it wasn't enough for people just to have lost their life that there were those that went out almost in the covering of night or in the twilight of a new day and they would go throughout those dead upon the ground and they would strip them of their their goods strip them of anything that was of any worth or value and so here is a king adoni bezek again not satisfied just to kill but he desired to maim and mutilate these kings the bible says by cutting off their thumbs and their big toes. In addition, he would humiliate them by placing them under his table. From my understanding, it would actually be a tethering of these 70 kings under the table of Adoni. Now he would have people, men that once sat upon thrones in their own kingdoms uh, with all of the grandeur of their own people that served them now would be found subjected under the table of another king disfigured, having no more now their thumbs or their great toes groveling, if you will, for the scraps that would come from the one who overtook them from their adversary's table. These are those who who have been acquainted, kings that have been acquainted with pomp and prestige of the palace. Now they are viewed as being humiliated under the table of their enemy the dainty meats that would be served at a king's table and the fineness of drinks that would be served at a king's table always at their disposal now they are just jockeying if you will for substandard crumbs leftovers if you will that fell from the table of Adoni Bezek they were as dogs in that culture just hoping for a piece of food that might fall from the table of the one who has overpowered them Adonibizek, Adoni Bezek is his name. Adonai meaning Lord and Bezek meaning lightning. Thus he is the Lord of lightning. And it's in this that we see a very similarity. Adoni Bezek being an Old Testament type or a foreshadowing of Satan or the devil himself. The Bible says in Luke 10 and verse 18, Jesus was speaking unto some and he said, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. And so Satan in many regards, Adoni Bezek just foreshadowing the row of Satan even in his hour and in the hour of the New Testament. Amen. Just as Adonibizek has tethered people under his table and has mutilated them and take advantage of them. So likewise has the Lord of lightning known as Satan taken people in our hour, in the hour of the church of the New Testament and tethered them under his table. In many regards, he is not just satisfied in conquering people. He's more satisfied in debilitating them. He is more satisfied in injuring them and crippling them. He's fed them with things beneath their privileges that they've once had. He's fed them with things that's below the status of being a king of who they were. He doesn't destroy them, but he constantly humiliates them. He doesn't necessarily take their life, but he wants them begging for food. He wants them to be a spectacle for all to see. He wants them to be an example about what he can do and supposedly what power that he has. He wants them to display as a trophy, almost, of his pernicious ways and his eyes. Amen. The Bible understand these that were under the table they were kings. Everybody say kings. Kings. The Bible speaks to us in Revelations 5 and 10 it says and has made us, everybody say us speaking that God has made us unto our God, kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. These people are acquainted with royalty, and you and I are acquainted with royalty. These people know what it's like to be in the king's house, and we know what it's like to be in the king's house. They can't but compare with where they are now under the table of Adoni Bezak compared to where they used to be. And those that know anything about God have any association with God amen have to do the comparison sometimes if they fall from the Lord or if the enemy takes advantage of them compared to where they used to be in God they had fed on food fit for a king as we have in our lives their place wasn't under the table but on the throne and I'm here to tell you this morning every child of God everybody that's had an experience with God your place isn't under the table of your adversary your place isn't under the table of your enemy your place is a throne. Your place is a palace. Your place is to be a son to the king even. Someone say amen. But the cutting off of the thumbs and the big toes was significant. Probably more significant amen to any group. It was significant to the Hebrew. The Bible says in Leviticus 14 and verse 14. And the priest shall take some of the blood of the trespass offering. And the priest shall put it upon the tip Of the right ear of him. That is to be cleansed. And upon the thumb of his right hand and upon the great toe of his right foot and of the rest of the oil that is in his hand shall the priest put upon the tip of the right ear of him. That is to be cleansed. And upon the thumb of his right hand and upon the great toe of his right foot and upon the blood blood of the trespass offering. Amen. What this is the reading of is a person that is being cleansed after they had had leprosy and been cleansed from leprosy, a sacrifice would be made. And this procedure of putting the blood upon the tip of the ear and upon the great toe and upon the great thumb and the the anointing oil upon each of those areas was just a process that denoted their cleansing. The rabbis taught that a Hebrew who had leprosy, which in the Old Testament was symbolical of sin, it was a sign of sin that whenever they had leprosy and was cleansed, they were cleansed consecrated by some blood of a sacrifice upon those three areas again that the right thumb the right big toe and the right lobe of the ear and then right after the blood was put there from a sacrifice then the oil would be placed upon those three areas the the anointing would always follow the blood the anointing would always follow the sacrifice and this is meaningful to the Hebrews because the big toe would be anointed for this purpose according to the Hebrews the big toe would would be anointed and the blood would be put there for the purpose, Amen. That their paths would be directed where they needed to go. The thumb of the right hand would be have blood upon it and anointing oil put upon it because they wanted to anoint and consecrate that person's hands for their actions and what they would do and what they would accomplish. The Hebrew would have that ear to be anointed, Amen, and oil placed upon it because they always wanted them to have an ear that would hear the voice of creator. Amen. And so, since this is so meaningful to them, and since the leprosy had no natural cure in the Old Testament or in the New Testament, it was a ritual that was performed but rarely performed because it wasn't every day you had a leper that was healed or every day that a leper that was cleansed. And so in the New Testament, whenever there are ten and they are all, if you will, cleansed and one made whole, that's the reason why Jesus told those ten. He said, go shoot yourself to the priest and offer them sacrifice that is necessary for your cleansing. As they went, those ten went in Luke 5. The Bible says they were all cleansed. Can you imagine the priests that day as those boys came in, amen, cleansed of their leprosy and say, we're here with the sacrifice for the blood and the anointing oil on our toes and on our hands and on our ears. Priests are probably thinking, boys, get out the manual. We've never had to do this before. We never had a leper cleanse or this happening body before. And they would go and they would do those things. Can someone say amen? But the purpose of an adversary, mutilating an individual in the hands and in the feet, was for the purpose to keep that man, that soldier, if you will, from ever being an effective soldier again. He didn't want that man. To see, they had met in battles with these men before. Had not been victorious. He did not want that man to ever be able to draw his bow again. Put that thumb, right, Mike? Let that bow set back against that. Pulling back. He, don't, he said he took their thumbs and their great toes. He didn't want that man to be able to pull back his bow again. He didn't want that man to be able to grasp or handle a sword in his hand or a spear to throw with any type of trajectory or distance again. He wanted to make sure that he would not be able to do that. He wanted to make sure that if that man was ever pursued by an enemy or an adversary, that he would be incapable of escaping those toes, giving you the ability many times to stand or balance. He didn't want that man to be able to escape from his adversary again. So this deed was done to these 70 kings because the enemy wanted to take away their ability to fight he wanted to take away their ability to be victorious in warfare a loss of a warrior's skills no doubt would result in this type of marring that Adoni Bezak did to these kings the adversary wanted to take their fight from them someone say amen he wanted to take their fight from them. But even a little bit further, not only did he want to take their fight from them, but he wanted to make it as though they couldn't walk like they used to walk. And the actions of their hands could not be as the actions of their hands that used to be. So now that their, their big toes are gone. Their walk is somewhat affected. Now their great thumbs are gone. Amen. The actions of their hands, they can't do some of the things they used to do. The enemy has done all of this, hindered all of these hair hindered their fight but wait a minute what did he do to the ear What did he do to the ear? He got the thumbs and he got the toes, but he missed the ear. Can I tell you today, the adversary always seems to miss something. He took the thumbs, he took the big toes, but he forgot to take anything concerning the ears. He missed the ears. Their direction may be off course, their hands may not be doing what they need to do, but they're still left with the ability to hear the voice of their creator. They are still held with the ability to hear what thus saith the Lord? Someone say, "Amen." See, see, this is just as old as the ancient of days. In the book of Revelation, the common call to every church, those seven churches in the book of Revelation, is this: starting and many times ending with the commendation, "Amen," and the condemning of them. He would say, "He that hath an ear, he that hath an ear, let him." here. Why was he doing that in the book of Revelation, Bishop? Because there were seven churches there. Some of them were maligned. Some of them were not walking the way they needed to walk. Some of them were involved in some actions that they needed to refrain from or they could not do. Amen. What they once had done. Amen. They were not becoming of a Christian church. Amen. But in spite of their walk, in spite of what they're doing, he says, I know there's one thing that remains. If you got an ear, he said, listen to to what I'm telling you, listen to what the Spirit of the Lord is speaking, listen to the relevant truth that I'm trying to speak into your life. Someone say, Amen. Can I tell you today that the Lord of Lightning of our generation, Satan, in many ways has affected the paths of people. The paths of people, he's been causing them to walk in a different manner and different way than what they should be walking. He may have affected the conduct even of people or persons, but he fouled up big time when he forgot to take the ears of people, even living in our day. If, hallelujah, he cannot sever the voice of God in somebody's life. They can be far from God. They can be estranged from God. They can be walking diabolical to the ways of God. But if they got an ear, God has a chance to speak. If they have an ear, God has a chance to utter some. Oh God! Someone say Amen. Huh? Someone say yes. yes. It can be done. One of the reasons, perhaps, it was left intact here in Scripture. Just to relay the idea that it cannot, you cannot remove the voice of God, Satan. You cannot remove the voice of God, adversary. There's no way that you can disconnect them from the voice of the Lord, a person's life from the voice of the Lord. You may influence their step, you may influence their actions, but you can't remove the voice of the Lord that must be greatly true that last church lady will see her right thought they were rich and treats with goods had needed nothing he said but what you don't understand you're really blind poor you're wretched right what does he say a little further behold I stand at the door and knock if any man will hear my hallelujah you're not right where you need to be you're not quite doing what you need to be doing he said but if you'll listen if you'll listen I'm standing at the door. You know what he's saying? He that hath an ear, he that hath an ear, let him hear. Can I tell you today? I don't know where some of your lives may be. I don't know what some of your walks may be. I don't know what some of your actions may be. But I do know this. If you still have an ear, that is attentive to the voice of your Savior today, you need to listen up because he's crying out. He's hollering. He's trying to get your attention. Amen. The Bible says Satan can't cut off that. But listen to me. 2 Timothy 4 verses 3 through 4. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lust desires shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. Verse 4. And they, say they, and they shall turn away their ear from the truth. And shall be turned unto fables. Listen to me. Listen to me. The enemy cannot cut off the influence of the voice of God. But we as people can cut off. He can't remove the voice. The adversary can't remove the voice of God in our life. But we can turn away our ears. Personally. The devil can get you walk. He can get your actions. He can't get your ears. If there's ever a deaf ear toward God, it is absolutely you who have turned that way. Peter, Peter in the New Testament Scriptures is even reprimanded to a certain degree by the Lord because you know what he did? Trying time of the Lord's ministry, the disciples, all of them, they're in the garden. They've been praying. The time of crucifix and the apprehending of the Lord is on the heels of all this. Peter is there in the garden with the Lord. He's reprimanded by the Lord. Why? Because people's come out to the Lord in the garden with their swords and with their staves. They're going to take him. And what does Peter do? He cuts off the right ear of the high priest's servant, Malchus. The Bible says in Luke 22 and verse 50 and one. This is speaking of Peter. And one of them smote the servant of the high priest and cut off his right ear. And look what Jesus says. And Jesus answered and said, Suffer ye thus far? And he touched his ear, healing him. In other words, the Lord picked back up that ear of Malchus, put it back on his head, and he healed him. The Lord touched his ear, and he healed him. As if the Lord was saying, if you will, to Peter, his feet, Peter, Malchus, don't you see this, Peter? His feet already headed in the wrong direction. Or he wouldn't be here with a sword in his stave against me right now. His hands are already accomplished in deep inside of some vile and unthinkable actions right now. Peter, don't you dare touch his ear. Because if he'll have an ear, maybe he'll still hear my wooing of trying to change and alter the direction that he's going. Someone say Amen folks, from the very beginning. It's the way that God has designed this from the very beginning in the garden with Adam and Eve, that first man and that first woman. They found themselves in that garden Ah tethered if you will under the adversary's table if you will maimed after they have transgressed against the Lord they found themselves amen incarcerated by the adversary they have walked amen where they normally would have walked they are not walking now the things that they would have done that they normally would have done prior to their transgression they are not doing now they are being humiliated in no uncertain terms by the serpent by the devil yet in that fallen condition And in that deplorable state, the scripture reads like this in Genesis 3 and 8. And they heard the voice of the Lord God. They fell. They have fought. They've transgressed. But in that state, they heard the voice of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. They did what God said not to do. And yet they could still hear the voice of God. Satan, you can tell me that I'm going to be like a God. You can tell me the day that I eat of it, I shall not surely die. You can do all that. But you cannot, you cannot dismember this ear from hearing the voice of God that's the reason why I stand up here with confidence this morning. Whoever you are, wherever you are, that's the reason why we preach and teach. Because when we can't direct your feet and guide your hands, we're hoping through the spoken word that God, in the middle of your woe, in the middle of your fault, in the middle of your depression, in the middle of your circumstance, oh, perhaps you'll hear the voice of the Lord. Even in Amos 3.12, you know, it was the responsibility of a shepherd, particularly most shepherds, most shepherds were tending sheep that were not their own. And as a result of that, they were held responsible for the integrity, the direction, the path, the well-being of the sheep. Though they did not own them, they were shepherds. So they were answerable to the one who did own them for their condition. And it's in that we learn and understand in Amos 3.12, the Bible speaks that evidently some of the sheep of Amos' foe was taken advantage of by an adversary. But the Bible speaks that the shepherd went out there and he got out of the mouth of this adversary, which was a lion, according to Amos. Got out of the mouth of the lion, he says, a couple of legs and a piece of an ear. Whew. Because whatever he could salvage, he wouldn't have to be responsible for. But interestingly enough, it's not just a couple of legs here that he's after. He's just thinking, if I can just salvage an ear. Sheep, shepherd, symbolism, New Testament. Christ is our shepherd and we are his sheep. If he can just get a piece of our ear. Whew. If, we, if everything else is maimed and everything else is mutilated and everything else is crippled and everything else is debilitated, if you will, by the adversary. If I can just save a piece of their ear so, so that they might... Hear. Hallelujah. Because if there can be an ear, amen, to hear, then there's still influence in the life of the sheep. If there'll be an ear that can hear, the kings can still hear, although they're tethered under the table of their adversary. The Bible says in John 10, speaking of that symbolism of Christ being the shepherd and he his sheep. The Bible says, John 10 and verse 3, to him the porter openeth and the sheep, it's speaking of Christ, his sheep hear his voice. And he calleth his own sheep by name And leadeth them out And when he puteth forth his own sheep He goeth before them And the sheep follow him For they know his voice And a stranger they will not follow But will flee from him For they know not the voice of strangers Can I tell you today If we can just hear the voice of the Lord Hear him calling to us We know his voice He's spoken to us before He's ministered to us before He's given guidance to us before it will just hear and follow the voice of the Lord. You say, Brother McGee, though, my big toes, my direction has been altered. My thumbs, they've been altered. That's all right. You can come to the Lord like this if you got to. You can come to the Lord like this, a little crippled if you got to. But just listen to his voice. Listen to his voice. He can make you whole as he made the leper whole. But you got to make your way. No matter how debilitated you are by your adversary, if you'll get to where he is, he can make all things new. He can. Somebody will hear today. You just have an ear, just an ear. Hear his voice, man in Australia. Sometimes when that goes, you need it. It's a man in Australia was arrested. Charged with stealing a, a lamb or a sheep. But he claimed emphatically that it was one of his own. One of his own that had been missing for days. But he was charged with having stolen it. So the court went to case, or the case went to court rather. The judge was a little puzzled not knowing how to decide this matter This measure So at last He asked the sheep To be brought into the courtroom Then he ordered the plane To, to step outside And call the animal The sheep made no response Except to raise his head And look frightened The judge then instructed the defendant to go to the courtyard, call the sheep. When the accused man began to make his distinctive call to the sheep, the sheep, that lamb, bounded toward the door where the defendant was standing. And it was obvious that he recognized the familiar voice of his master because his sheep Knows him, said the judge. Case is dismissed. One thing is clear. One thing is clear. God is a father to us all, firstly by creation. By creation, he's the father of us all. Paul even said, thou have many instructors in Christ, but you only have one father. He's the father of us all by creation the forming of you in your mother's womb, how He fearfully and wonderfully made you, He's your Father of creation. But if you've been born again of the water and the Spirit, He's just not your Father by virtue of creation. He's your Father by virtue of your new birth. And on both of those planes, whether Him being Father of you by creation or Father of you by your new birth, you're familiar with His voice. Even all creation, the trees and the rocks and the rivers, you know what they sing and proclaim to us daily? The voice of the Lord. That's how the writer in Romans said that even if no one even spoke to us, we would know about the nature of God and His existence just by the creation. That is about us. Why? They are constantly singing the praises of our Creator. And so we know His voice. And if you'll have an ear, Perchance, you'll be able to hear that voice speaking to you. Enticing you, beckoning to you. Listen, it isn't a total loss to have people come here who have known God in an intimate way in time past. And yet maybe presently they're living under the table of their enemy. It's not a loss, totally. Thumbs gone and big toes gone, but if they have an ear, the direction and actions may, if you will, betray them of an earlier time and an earlier life. (laughs) Might be somewhat contrary to the way that they used to live, but I have hope today because if they're around the church, near the church, and they have an ear and are exposed to that voice, something is going to arise in their spirit and say, That sounds familiar. Ah, that, 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 that sounds familiar. It's been a while since I've heard that. Elijah, Elijah had hope in his own life in ministry because he had an ear that would hear the still, even small voice of of the Lord amid the wind that came up on that mountain, and amid the earthquake, the Bible says that shook it, and the fire that appeared before him, Elijah had been in a cave on that mountain. He had isolated himself from society, he had isolated himself from his friends. He's out there all alone and he feels all alone. And he's desiring that God would just take his life. He's desiring, amen, that something would happen. His prophetic years are over. Any stamp, amen, that he had. In his life of God is all over. But in all of that, there's that wind and that earthquake and that fire and the Lord wasn't seemingly in any of that. But then the Bible says Elijah heard. He heard a still, small voice and it was that still, small voice that says, Elijah, what are you doing here? You need to get down from this mountain and you need to do what I'm about ready to tell you to do. You need to go back out of wilderness here. Amen. Of Damascus and you need to anoint the king Hazel, the king of Assyria. You need to anoint Jehu, the king of Israel. You need to anoint Elisha to be prophet in your room. See, Elijah thought it was all over, but he had an ear to hear. If I could say it to the ladies today, he thought his story was over, but it wasn't finished because he had an ear to hear. Somebody might be in isolation today but you need to give ear to God. Somebody might be filled with self-doubt about the continuance of your life and where it's going to lead but you need to have an ear today what the Spirit is trying to speak to you. It's incumbent upon me today. It's important. For me to encourage some parents here today. To encourage some grandparents that are here today. About wayward sons. And wayward daughters. And wayward grandchildren. Their steps might be away from God. And their actions may be representative of the one whose table they are tethered under. Remember this. That ear has been consecrated by blood. That ear's been consecrated by oil for the purpose that they would always hear. The voice of the Lord. The voice of the Lord has not been cut off in their life unless they have turned their ear from Him. It's not been cut off in their life. God's not cut off His voice from their life unless they have turned their ear from Him. But may I make a plea... This morning to this crowd today, may I make a plea to every king under the table of your enemy. Can I make a plea today to every king that's under the table of your adversary that has suffered the maiming, that has suffered the destruction, that has suffered, if you will, consequences of choices went bad. Can I somehow tell you today that it doesn't have to be that way? it doesn't have to be that way I know you might feel like you're tethered right now I know it seems like you've been drawn by the cords of sin right now I know it may seem like you're feeding on something that's substandard when it first began it was like all the dainties and all the meats and all the privileges but the pleasures of sin have just lasted for a season and now you're in the unpleasurable part and you see the maiming and the crippleness and the tethering I'm here to tell you today I'm telling you that there is hope there is hope just because because you've been crippled and just because you've been maimed, you still have some ears that have been untouched. And if you will follow the familiar voice that spoke to you in times past, if you will follow and heed to that voice that spoke to you in some past, He will instruct you. He will lead you. If you have an ear, let you hear. is it my experience as a minister pastor evangelist guest speaker blah 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 how is it sister McGee that we've had those people that's been tethered under the tables somehow break free follow the voice of the Lord in services and in times and the things that we hear After the restoration, after the renewal, after a a rebaptizing, if you will, of the spirit and altar. Why is it, Sister McGee, that they will oftentimes tell us and look us in the eyes and say, I don't know what it is, but I just heard something telling me I needed to come to church today. What is that, Brother Bishop? I say that's an ear that's left still intact that God is continuously, faithfully trying to speak to if they would just hear the instruction and obey. And as a result of doing it on that Sunday morning or that Sunday night, their life was changed because they followed the instruction of that familiar voice. Or they'd say this, I, I just felt like I needed to go uh, to the first apostolic church today. I just felt like I need to show up on Wednesday night, Bible today. You know What? That is, that's the voice of God speaking. That's the voice of God speaking to them. Even when they are ensnared, even when others would say they are hopeless. That's the voice of God speaking to somebody underneath the adversary's table. You'll stand with me this morning. He that hath an ear. He that hath an ear. He that hath an ear, your enemy will, your enemy will handicap you. He will debilitate you. He will tether you under his table. He will mock you. He will deceive you. But he cannot take God's voice from you. Only you can do that. The danger is this. When the enemy's done all that he's done, whether or not we'll keep an ear to the Lord or if we'll turn. Because when you turn and you don't allow that voice in, you're not hearing his wooing. You're not hearing his instruction. You're not hearing his vying for your attention. It's when you've just totally absorbed yourself to your condition. You're debilitated by the adversary. You're just there. Oh, are they hopeless? No, they always have the ability to turn their ear back toward God. But let me tell you this. You are better off and your chances are higher if you never turn your ear away from him. He the heaven here. It's been sanctified by blood. It's been sanctified by all. Those old Hebrews say, we're, we're doing all this so that they'll keep the path and they'll keep the, they'll keep the hands involved so that they'll hear the voice. Of God. This is with purpose, this is with intent. When we have service, when someone's born again, when someone receives the Holy Ghost, when God touches people with His Spirit around here, I want you to know that what He's doing is trying to consecrate a life for a path. Consecrate a life for a following, a follower-leader relationship. Him leading them follow. But our adversary is duped into thinking. That if he can affect their walk and their actions, then there's no way they could ever go and follow his lead if they would even hear him. But Satan, I'm telling you, for every maimed Mephibosheth, there's a place at the king's table for him to sit and not be tethered under. Lame in both of his feet, the Bible says. But whenever Ziba showed up and said, is there any of the house of Saul? That David can show kindness to. Uh Mephibosheth heard that word. (laughs) I guess that classifies as me. I may have not been able to walk since a young age. That's alright. If you want to go to the master. We'll help get you there. It might not have been a pretty picture. In that traveling from where Mephibosheth was. To where David was. But whenever he got there. There was a seat at the table for him, just like there was all the great leaders that were at the table. Why? Because in spite of Mephibosheth's drawbacks, he had an ear that could hear the call of the king. Can we bow our heads all over this place today? Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Spirit is speaking in this hour as it is in the book of Revelation to the seven churches which no doubt denotes the end of time, the end of the age there's the spirit speaking today and it's saying as it did in that hour when it was written around 96 AD whatever it was, the book of Revelation he that hath an ear let him hear he that hath an ear let him hear God's words that he spoke in that time was this, there's some things that I have against you I need you to sure up. There were other things that he spoke. This that you're doing right there, that's good. That's commendable. That's great. He spoke to them about if you'll become an overcomer, then there's a place for you in my kingdom. And all these different things. What is he doing? He's not doing anything. He's not placing hands upon them. None of that. You know all he's doing? He's speaking. His voice is speaking they're listening they're even giving ear to it or they're rejecting it that's where we stand today if you have an ear hear what God is speaking to you this morning if you need to make a walk from your pew to the altar today and lift up your hands and say God I want my life to be consecrated for the path a man that is righteous and godly God help me Lord to keep my feet to that path if you need to come today and say Lord I'm maimed I've been taken advantage of by the world I've and taken advantage of by my enemy he's told me I couldn't walk this path he's told me I couldn't go this way I feel just so unworthy and undone you can come this morning with all of those inhibitions that you may have you can come to him today with all of those fears and even accusations of your own heart and mind that tell you and you can find him today and listen to his voice and let him speak comfort, let him speak hope let him speak if you will a time of repression that can only come from the presence of the Lord These altars are open today. Oh, come however you must come. It may not be a pretty sight, but that's okay. God is a loving God and he is willing to stretch out, amen, himself and lift up his voice so that you might hear, so you might hear what he is saying. Hallelujah! Today, if you've got lost and saved loved ones, this would be a good time to come and pray and say, "God, help them to hear. God, help them to hear." I know, God, that they are wrapped up in a bunch of other stuff right now, and there's a lot of other things in life that is glimmering to them, amen. That's got their attention, but God, let my children, let my grandchildren, let my great-grandchildren, God, give them an ear so that they might hear, so that they might hear. that they might don't let them God please Lord I don't want them to turn their ear away from you I don't want them I know they've turned their life from you but don't let them ever turn their ear I want them to always be able to hear the voice hear the voice of the one that I love He's knocking on the door He's knocking on the door if any man will hear my voice the Lord says If any man will hear my voice, the Lord says, and let me in, I'll come in to sup with him and he with me if you'll hear my voice. Hallelujah, Brother Mason. Let's go to a song right now. Come on, be sensitive to the voice of the Lord. Be sensitive to the voice of the Lord. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter